This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. The guest speaker is featured on this message. If you've known the Lord for a while, there's going to be passages today we're going to look at that are going to be very familiar, I'm going to guess very dear to you, very dear to me. Um, But we're going to go not just into Romans, we're going to look at Romans 8 this morning. And for so many years of my life, I just ended Romans 8 at the end of Romans 8. I, I let the thought end there. And I don't know, you know, sometimes the chapter breaks in Scripture to help us find passages and know how to navigate our Bibles and the verses. They're so helpful for that. But I think sometimes I forget that this is a letter written in a context. There's a context to God's Word. Whenever you want to study um, who God is and what He's saying through His Word, context is king, isn't it? So important because it's so easy to want to read our own ideas about God into the Bible, our own opinions, our own pride can be kind of carried into this. So we want to be careful with that. But So we're not just going to stop at Romans 8 because the chapter breaks there and now there's a number 9 coming and we're going to just start a new thought. I think there's a carry over of thought from Romans 8 to Romans 9 this morning. We're going to be reminded, and, and Tim and the, the team, the worship team, did such a good job about this already. We're going to be reminded of the great security that God gives his children. It's, I mean, don't we constantly need to remember that security? There's no greater way to remember the security of God than to remember that our security is not based on our performance. It's not based, and it's not, it's not taken away by the world's performance or their attacks against us. It's about God's sovereign love. And so we're going to learn and be remembered, reminded today about God's loving sovereignty. But here's what I want to ask you. Can you kind of already track along with me? So can I ask you a question leading into this morning? What is the goal of God giving us security? What's the goal? We long for security, don't we? But what's the goal from God's perspective of giving us security? Another way you could ask that question is, what is the chief end of security? So those of you maybe who've known some of the Westminster Catechism, you know, you've that, that, now that terminology, you would have a tendency to then say, well, I guess the chief end of God giving us security is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that would be so right. I think if we made it more specific, I think Paul will make it more specific this morning. I think he'll say that the chief end of God giving you great soul security is so that we can make great loving sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. Security is not meant to just stop with us, guys. And I'm, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Why don't we Look at the text, okay? Much better, reliable source here. Let's go to Romans 8. Let's start in verse 28 this morning, and then we're going to go into Romans 9. I hope you'll be able to already see what I'm referring to about what is the goal of security. So Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Boy, just those verses right there alone is enough to hug your heart with fresh security from from God's loving, sovereign grace. Let's keep reading verse 31. So what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I would say successfully, right? All of us know there can be things against us. But who can be against us successfully? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. More and more security there, isn't there? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No rose-colored glasses in Scripture. There is suffering in the world. Verse 20, 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So right there, if you go ahead and look up at me just real quick. Right there, we ought to all say, amen. Thank you, Lord, for this great security. But, but wait, the good shepherd of our soul is not done shepherding us. There's, he wants to shepherd us into chapter 9. So let's take that security of chapter 8 and let's let the shepherd take us into chapter 9 when he says, this is just wild. This is, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Meaning, for the sake of those that he loves that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So do you start to see some piecing together here of what's the goal of security? Paul says the goal is certainly the glory of God, enjoying God, thankful for God because we don't deserve the security. But isn't the goal that we might be like Jesus in living out a sacrificial life for the sake of the gospel? So can we pray that the Lord would just plant these things in our hearts this morning? Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning and uh, Lord, I, I just, by your kindness and your grace, Lord, I know you've been preparing hearts and working with hearts, Lord, that likely that many of us in the room, even Tim and the singing today, we've, we've said, why, Lord? 
Why is this going on with my child? Why is this going on with my marriage? Lord, I'm hurting here. Do you care? Lord, there's, there's a need for in all of us today for security. Heaven sent security, not just security in earthly things or in people. We need fresh security in our Savior, Jesus. But we want more than just to be secure in Jesus. We, we're crying out for a move of your spirit this morning that would not only conform us to the character of Jesus. We want that, Lord. We want to be like Jesus. We want to know his love and become more like him. But God, we don't want just his character. We want his mission. We, we want to be, we want to be Bring, bringing forth the, the glory of your name into a lost and dying and hurting world. So would you, would you write these truths on our heart in transforming ways for your glory, for the joy of this precious congregation, and for the advancement of your gospel in Frisco and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, okay, so question, how secure are you? So this isn't like some psychological test, because if you were having a cup of coffee with me, I would go, I'm insecure. There's so many ways I'm insecure, but I'm, I'm not talking about just how secure are you? If we look at our culture and the media all around us, it would, it would seem, do you notice how much security is, is being sold in our culture? There's a lot of advertisement for security in our culture. One of the advertisements that I regularly get at our house in Midland, Texas, is regularly there's a knock at our door. So I go to the door. Usually people see this face and they run away when I open the door. I mean, you know, it looks like I'm going to rob somebody. I think, I think I've got that kind of face. But this, there's this one guy who keeps coming to our door and he's trying to sell me a security system for our home. Do you have, I don't know if you have those door-to-door security, home security salesmen. Now you have to understand, in my, in my front yard, there is a fairly large sign that says, this home is secure. <laughs> because we have a security system. But this guy is relentless. So he keeps coming and knocking. The same guy, I mean, I'm getting to know him. I'm, I'm now giving him coffee and water and we sit down. Finally, one day, so he's telling me all the bells. What do you currently have? And, well, I currently have kind of a bare bones. What, do you know what you could have? You could, be, you could have so much more security. If we put video access to all of the things, you could see, <laughs> I want to say, I could see how insecure I am in, my, in this world, this mean world, scary world. Uh, you, could, you could have things on your phone that you could adjust. You could be in control. You could be in control of everything which really appeals to my pride. But I'm just, so I'm just going, oh my goodness. Finally, he came to the door the other day, knocked on the door. And I just told him, I see what you're doing. You're trying to make me feel insecure about my security, right? And isn't that so much of the way the world is? So when we listen to politicians, there's this, there's this temptation that for them to make us feel insecure. And of course, they're the answer. Their policies are the answer to our security. How about financial security? Isn't that so much on radio and television? If, if you'll only invest here or you'll come to this bank or you'll do this practice, you'll have financial security. Well, let me ask you this morning, just heart to heart, where are you feeling vulnerable today? 
Where's that, where's that kind of wounded place, that tender place, that place where maybe the why question has been actually tormenting your heart more than maybe, maybe before? Where are you feeling your need for security? Where are, and, and don't worry, I'm not trying to sell you home security, did I? <laughs> uh, but I do believe God wants to give our hearts security today. So, is it your parenting? I so wish I was a better dad to my boys. I so often felt so insecure about the quality of my parenting. Am I doing more damage to my boys than good? I love my wife. She'll be here in the second service. I love her so much, but there was, Lord, I'd love to be able to have, to love her in such a way where she felt more security. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your health. You know, so often, it's it's surprising how much security we place in our health until we get sick, and especially if those sicknesses are lingering. What about failure? Are you vulnerable today? Are you needing a fresh sense of security today? Because failure is convincing you that it has the last word in your life, that somehow you think that what scares me is not that just that I failed, but what scares me is that my future is just going to be marked by failure. Are you facing a decision in your life? And the decision, uh, the word today about courage, are you facing a decision in your life? And the uncertainty of what you should do is just, it's just making you feel very vulnerable and very insecure. I'm sorry for all the questions. I'm, I'm not trying to to peel open a scab that might be on your heart. I'm not trying to do that. But I, I do want to say God has something to say to us today in Romans 8 and 9. Our text in Romans 8 and 9 this morning will remind us of God's loving sovereignty. It'll, it'll provide your heart with sacred, sacred security. But it's not to just that security. It's not so we can just live a life devoted to earthly comfort. He promises security to actually free us. God wants to give us security because it sets us free from being devoted to a life where we're just trying to to build so many controls into our life to try to keep us from the least suffering possible. Oh, there's such a better way that God has for us. He wants to set us free from a life devoted to earthly comforts. He, he wants to give us joy and courage so that we can move sacrificially toward the hard work of loving others. Spirit-empowered work, so thank God for that. But it is, there is hard work in loving others, serving others for the sake of the glorious gospel. So if there's a main point this morning, if you want to write down like a main point, you, it could be this. God's sovereign love gives us radical security. That word radical can be overused, but I hope in this context it'll be meaningful to you. God's sovereign love gives us radical security so that, so I put all caps as my notes, I have all capitals, so that, so that, the so that's of scripture are huge, so that we can make radical sacrifices in loving others for the sake of the gospel. So just in one complete sentence, God's sovereign love gives us radical security so that we can make radical sacrifices in loving others for the sake of the gospel. The first point this morning is we're going to look at verses 28 through 34, and I'm, I'm going to do more of a helicopter view of Romans 8. You guys are so well taught here, and I, I, I know that there's a lot deeper um, 
probing of the text that we could do this morning, but I, I think this will, this will serve you. So the first point this morning is God's sovereign love is the source of our security. His sovereign love is the source of our security. And I believe there's an intention in these first few verses. Guys, don't, don't back away from how God wants to make us unshakably secure in Jesus. Dare to believe that he wants to make you that secure. Dare to believe it. And it comes by grace and the blood that was shed on our behalf. And you'll see that in this first section. This, this section is to make us unshakably secure. So here we go. Are you ready? Kind of helico- Here we go. In our, everybody in the helicopter? Are you ready? Here we go over the terrain. Verse 28 says that God causes all things to work together for the good for those who love him, those who are called uh, according to his purposes. I used to, this is, a, I hope it, it, I, the way I taught my boys when they were growing up, we, I would teach them Romans eight twenty eight, And, you know, the classic question is, does that mean all things are good? Is God saying all things are good? So am I supposed to say, well, so cancer is good? So uh, a, a, a robbery in my home, an attack of my child? Uh, are these things? No, no. He's not saying that all things are good. He's saying that he can work all things together for the good. And I used to, we used to do this Romans eight twenty eight today. I think my sons would tell you Romans eight twenty eight reminds me of chocolate chip cookies. What a dad, right? Now you see why I'm insecure in my parenting. I, I would get together with my, my sons and I said, guys, do you like chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, dad, mom, dad's going to give us chocolate chip cookies. And so we would do this thing where I would get out flour and eggs and oil and sugar and, and the, the chips, the chocolate chips. And I would say, okay, guys, you like chocolate chip cookies, right? Yeah. And so I'd get a scoop of flour and I'd say, open wide. Dad. That's gross. That'll make us sick, Dad. Well, you can't have chocolate chip cookies without some flour. So I'd put it in the bowl. i get some cooking oil. You like chocolate chip cookies, right? Yeah. Drink up. Here's some oil. And then we go all rocky on him. Those of you guys remember the rocky stories. Remember the rocky where he breaks open the raw egg, puts it in the glass, and drinks it down. So I break open the egg. Here we go. We like chocolate chip cookies. Here, drink up. Dad! So now they're getting pretty upset, you know, kind of realizing mom is a way better source of chocolate chip cookies than dad is. And um, so we would go a little further. Of course, they love the chocolate chips, but even a good thing in excess cannot be good for us, right? Even a good thing, if it's turned into an idol, cannot be a good thing. But it's amazing that here I am, a very imperfect man. You take things that could make you sick. You take sweet things. And if there is a recipe, if there's a, if there's a pathway, if there's, uh, you can put the, the things that would make you sick with the things that are sweet, and you can put them together according to a plan, put them in some heat, and out comes something amazingly good, isn't it? God doesn't call all things good, but God is a great chef. He loves your heart. And this master chef, if 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 fallible, sinful people like us can follow a recipe and bring something amazing out of bitter and sweet, how much more our Heavenly Father who sacrificed His Son for us. 
So all things work together for the good. Those who have been called, it's, it's, it's not just, uh, it, 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 he, he attaches that to justification later in the passage. So this is those who have been called unto salvation, those who love God. So this, isn't, this, is, this is loving God. One of the evidences of being a Christian is there's affection for Jesus. God puts it there, the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, the Bible says. And so there is an unapologetic affection for the one who died for me. And so that love and calling, this is for these people. And then verse 29 says, God foreknew you. He set his amazing saving love upon you before you were ever born, meaning he knew every sinful thing about you before you ever did it. He knew the worst about you. I mean, are there, I, I, again, this is cup of coffee conversations. If we could have those, I wish we could, where, where we could talk about the things that we're kind of afraid to tell other people about because we're so ashamed of what we've done. God knew the worst about us and yet still said, I love you. I'm setting my love on you. You don't deserve it. Christ is going to pay the price for all the worst about you when he hangs on the cross for you. Tim Keller, you've heard this. This is such a beautiful way of putting it. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. And there's something in us that says, there's, the, there's yucky stuff about my heart, but it would be so nice to be known and loved, right? Not to be known to be judged, not to be known to be rejected, but to be known and loved. So Keller says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God, isn't it? He goes on to say, it's amazing how that can fortify us for any difficulty that life can throw at us. Verse 30 says that those he called, he justified. So Jesus is forgiving us of our sins. That gets big billing, so, and, and rightfully so. He's a forgiver. But we also need a, a holy righteousness to stand before God, not just forgiveness. Forgiveness may be, I don't even know how to, how to put it. We need not just sins forgiven. We need this positive righteousness accrued to our count. And Jesus lives 33 years of perfect obedience. And then when, when, when he is convicting you, the Spirit's moving in your heart and he's offering you the gift of salvation and you say, yes, Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you. I need forgiveness of sins. It would be like Jesus looking at God the Father and, and realizing that he suffered like, like, he, like he committed the sins that you committed. Isn't that amazing? He didn't right? But he was treated, he was willing to be treated by God like he committed them. And not just the sins of our hands, even more the, the thoughts we've had in our hearts and minds. But then he says, and Lord, you know those 33 years of perfect obedience with perfect motives for your perfect glory? Would you credit it to her like she did it? Is that amazing? I shouldn't, should I quit talking to you? I shouldn't, you know, she's going, why are you talking to me? I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I, I, I don't just, but anyway, so let's move on. That's why in our church at home, see, you're going to realize, you're going to, please warn me the next time Billy is in town so I can sit in the back row, right? 
I'm so sorry, honey. I am so sorry. So those whom he called, he justified. And then he goes on to say, those whom he justified, he glorified. So look at this. Known before the foundation of the world, known the worst about us, loves us anyway. We go further. He, he calls us, lets him hear. It's, it, he didn't just say, hey, y'all come unto me. He didn't say that. When you got saved, it was personal. You heard the shepherd call you by name. And isn't that wonderful and personal and amazing? And then he says, listen, I know there's troubles and trials. You're justified in Jesus Christ. But as sure as there's sorrow and suffering in the world, even more sure is glory, is eternity with him. No more tears, no more temptation, no more sin, no more war between the flesh and the spirit. All will be whole and for his holy glory. So he, he goes with all of these things. So Peter says it this way. So don't be surprised by suffering. Know that as sure as there is suffering, there will be glory. Let that be imprinted on your hearts, precious ones. We live in a broken world. It's a fallen world. Don't be surprised by suffering. Just know more sure than suffering is glory. So review. In God's sovereign love, He chose you before you were born, called you, saved you, is with you now, promises that you will be him forever. That is a security hug from the Lord right there. Verse 31 says that since God is for you, having taught you that wonderful path of doctrinal truth, no one can be ultimately successful in destroying the security of your soul. There are martyrs for our faith. There are martyrs for our faith. And God may call some of us into that, the way our nation is going, who knows what might happen. But no one can be successful in stealing from your heart the salvation God gives you. Your soul is secure. No one can ultimately be successful in destroying you where you most live. I mean, really, we live, we, we feel things, we have health issues, but where we most live is in our heart and mind. And God says, I wanna give you security there. Verse 32 says that since God spared not his own son for you, meaning he died on the cross for our worst problem. Always put the scales up, guys. Right now, all of us have problems and and we feel them. And so it feels like the scales can be tipped in that direction to, to where my biggest problem is health. My biggest problem is my child. My biggest problem is my singleness. My biggest problem is my fear of making a decision. Whatever it is, Those feel like the biggest problems. But where faith is restored, it's not saying, God, so please give me faith for my marriage. Please give me faith for this and that. Where faith is renewed and restored is remembering, no, the scale is tipped the other direction. Your biggest need was the need of a son who is perfect and holy and obeyed God in every facet of the commandments. And he was your sin bearer. He bore the just wrath of God for you. That, when you remember that, it's amazing how faith is restored for marriage and for parenting. So it's always the cross, isn't it? My biggest problem, that's what Paul is saying. He spared not his own son for you. How can you then not believe that God will provide you with everything else you need, right? 
So it's just all of this. So this is sacred security. He's interceding for you. How did he do that with Peter? Great illustration. Peter, Satan has asked for permission to sift you like wheat. Man, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) I'm already having enough problems with myself and he's wanting to sift my heart like wheat. And Jesus says, Peter, don't be afraid. I've prayed for you. And what did he pray? For Satan to go away? Shoo, Satan. Now he said, I've prayed for you that your, say it with me, your faith might not fail. And it didn't fail. It was challenged. His world got rocked sometimes. But when he was restored, he became a shepherd like his Savior. I mean, it's just amazing. So guys, so security doesn't mean safety in the world. So here, radical security in this first section of the text. But now let's go, here's where, where I love the Bible. It's, there's no rose-colored glasses here. There will be sorrows. There will be suffering. And isn't it kind of God to say, first, let's look at security. Before we look out the window at the sorrows that we're facing in our lives, let's first look upward at him and his smiling face in Jesus and the security he wants to give our hearts. But don't confuse security with just earthly safety. Let's go a little further. God's sovereign love is the, is the love that sustains us when we suffer. And you see that in verses 35 to 39. And again, some helicopter here. In this section, he's so real. It's very raw. This is a very raw section of Scripture. It, it, this, is, this, is, this is Paul identifying with our heartaches. This is, this, no one can say, well, you don't know how I feel. No, no, he knew, and even more, Jesus knows how we feel. So he picks the most frightening and painful things that a human can can experience. This isn't an exhaustive list, but categorically, he's picking some very frightening and painful things. And he wants you to have so much security in his all-conquering love that in these seven kinds of sufferings, you won't curse him. You won't forsake him, but you'll trust him and you'll hold fast to him. And even more, you'll know he holds fast to us and you'll be satisfied with him even if everything else is taken away. And one of the most painful aspects to suffering, I don't think is necessarily the suffering itself. I think it's why am I suffering? And if you forget the love of God, the why question is a tormentor. Please, precious one, if I could take you and just pray with you right now, please. I would say you're forgetting that the love of God has been well-defined for us in the crucifixion of Jesus. Well-defined. So let's take one why question off the table. We know that suffering is not an indication that God doesn't love us. Let's, isn't that the biggest? Isn't that? Because it does. Listen, I'm with you. I'm a... I'm a Big crybaby. I'm a weenie, okay? And my sons were here, they would go, yeah, that's my dad. Dad's a big weenie. I cry out, Lord, why am I going through this? It just, it just, this doesn't feel like love. <laughs> this does not feel like love. And the Lord would say, well, wait a minute. Your, your ideas need to be redirected. You're, you're, you're putting your faith essentially in the cessation of pain rather than where the fountain of joy is. The fountain of joy is being reminded that the suffering that you should be most amazed at is not that you have some temporary tears, but that Jesus bore an eternal weight of suffering, the eternal judgment that your sins deserved. Billy, that's how you know I love you. 
It's not what you're suffering that, make, that brings God's love into question. You go back to his suffering and that will eliminate that question. Listen, I don't know why that we're suffering. I don't know why. I, I, we'll pray for the sicknesses you're going through. We'll, we'll pray for the depression to lift. This is a safe place, right, to admit we've got those struggles and problems. But I don't know why we have to go through all of those things. But one thing we know for sure is that God loves us. And the cross reminds us of it, right? <laughs> I realize I'm starting to look at faces again. I go, quit freaking the people out. <laughs> That's right, if my wife was here, this is why, I don't know if you do this too, Craig, sometimes I'll look at Jan, and Jan will do things, little things like this. Keep going. That's cool. <laughs> I need her so much in my life. So the why question is not the debilitating thing that, it, that it, it, it can be a tormentor if you forget the love of God. What, what Piper, let's bring a little Piper in, into this. He says things so well. He says, the massive power and wisdom and love of God for his people does not promise escape from these things. The, the prince, our holy savior, Jesus, didn't escape suffering. And we as his followers who identify with him and want to be a display of his love, which one of the biggest displays of love is sacrifice for others. So there's no promise of escape from these things. The power and love and wisdom of God promises triumph in these things, but not escape. Triumph, but not escape. So how do we know this? Verse 35 summarizes verses 28 through 34. And he says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? And then here's the list. We'll go through it quickly. Tribulation. So are you feeling pressed, born like your knees are about to buggle because of some things on the outside of you that are tempting you to think that you're not going to get through this? Distress. Circumstance, you're under stress, you're, you're distressed, you're, you're feeling, maybe it's depression, maybe it's discouragement, persecution. Maybe you're being rejected at work because you have shared the gospel. Maybe you've been passed over for a promotion because you have taken a stand for truth in your workplace. Famine, any suffering, any scarcity that you feel like you're going through right now. Nakedness, not just of the clothing sort. How about this? You know, don't we feel... When we're going through shame and embarrassment, that's the closest thing that feels like nakedness. It's like nakedness of your soul before other people. Is, are you any of you struggling with shame today or embarrassment? And it's just feeling like this is just ruining your life. Peril, danger, threat, sword, violence, even death. And in verse 36, Paul says, listen, For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We're not to be surprised with suffering, even when we're living for the Lord. I think that's where the biggest surprise comes in. I think the surprise is, I've been trying to be a good Christian. Why is all this happening to me? Shouldn't being good mean that I've got good things coming my way? Right? You know, but that's what's so easy to think. But, but. Paul here says, listen, don't be surprised. Your brothers are being killed daily. You know, persecution in Christianity is regular. In North Korea, Pakistan, Sudan, Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, and beyond, an estimated 100,000 Christians will die this year for their faith. You know, that's, that's 273 on Sunday, April 2nd, today. 
273 of our brothers and sisters are going to die. That means there's 11 dying every hour. Our blessed experience of safety in the United States, relative safety, it's, it's just not the norm in Christianity around the world. Thank God for it. I'm not, uh, thank you, Lord. But, but shall any of that even separate you from the love of Christ? And Paul says, no, no. He says further, in all these things, we're more than conquerors in verse 37, through him who loved us. God will turn every trial into a triumph of soul. He'll turn every trial into a triumph for our witness for him. And that's where we'll head here uh, next. Verses 38 and 39, he says, even the ultimate threat of death will not separate you from the love of God. We have radical security in the loving sovereignty of God even when we suffer. So now here we go with the, the, so we're ending the way we began but is security the end in itself? I, I would like to just stop at Romans 8 today. I would be a very good pastor if I did. But I would like to. I want a happy life. I, I want a pain-free life. But God's sovereign love and security is supposed to compel sacrificial love for others. The design of this radical, sacred security is to free us from a life devoted to earthly comforts. Give us freedom, give us joy, give us courage. There's that word again from how the Lord spoke to us this morning. To move toward the needs of others. How many of you recently have been backing away from the needs of others because you've been hurt by the very people God may be saying, I want you to be a witness to these people. And that's what Paul really illustrates powerfully in these last couple of verses in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Security is not to minimize suffering. Security is not to maximize comfort. Security is not to minimize sacrifices. Security is not to maximize safety. And I would even go so far as to say this. Sometimes, this is so embarrassing to tell you. I've been a pastor in Midland for 24 years, six years in New Orleans, 30 years. (laughs) Shows you what people are willing to put up with, right? (laughs) I can't believe that. It embarrasses me. Embarrassing me to tell you that I really want to try to live a life that doesn't require faith. I'm sorry. I, I want my life to be that in control, that pain-free. And I think sometimes I pray, oh, Lord, please bless my heart, bless this, bless that, because I don't want to walk by faith in you. I want to have security in something that can crumble in my hands. <laughs> What's wrong with me? So confidence in God's sovereign love and power and goodness not only is soul-sustaining, but it opens the door to radical sacrifice so that others might know the saving love of Jesus. Security in God's sovereign love compelled Paul. Do you hear what he said there? I'm, I'm, Lord, it's, it's amazing language, isn't it? Because over here he's saying nothing, nothing I'm just thinking of a scripture course. Some of you, maybe you're older, remember those? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing. It's too difficult for, well, that's a little different verse. Is it, Ginger, you ought to be doing this. Keep going, keep going. Over here is nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. And it's so amazing, so divine. But it then demands my soul. 
my life, my all. So you see the bridge into Romans 9. God, I know I can't be cut off from you, but being loved by you, there's nothing like it. And I look at people I love who don't know Jesus over here, even though they've stoned me, they've beaten me with rods, okay? Because you know who God's gonna, the application of this, just so you'll know? I mean, Paul's willing, he's saying, Lord, if it were possible, I know it's not possible, but if it were possible, then cut me off. Curse me, anathema is the word. Curse me, let me experience eternal damnation if it could mean that these people who have treated me horribly, but if it could mean that they could know this amazing soul security that comes by grace and through the blood of Jesus. God, I know I can't be cut off, but I'd be willing to pay the ultimate price because this is so good. They've got to have it. God, please use my life. Do what you must. Let me give all for you. Now, where's he getting that? Is this, is this just some noble idea? He's gotten to know his Savior very well, hasn't he? Because it's our Savior who was cursed, right? He bore the curse of our sin on the tree. And so he's just, his heart's just being shaped by the Holy Spirit. His heart is being shaped by the love of God. And he's saying, I know nothing can separate me, Lord, but if it were possible, this love and grace of yours is so good that I'd be willing to give even the ultimate price if it could happen to, and if it would count for anything to save others. But what I want you to notice this morning, so because that might, those kind of terms of this crazy sacrifice, amazing sacrifice, we hear of somebody, you know, being willing to be beheaded for the gospel in a, in a, in a Muslim country, ISIS is invaded or whatever. Listen, let's bring it a lot more close to home. I am really worried at the amount of bitterness that's in the, the body of Christ. I'm really worried, guys. Bitterness is hurting Christians more than what you've received from others. And I know, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you've been hurt by others. It breaks my heart you've been hurt by others. But precious brother or sister, your bitterness is hurting you more than what they did to you. And, and this is where, where, so I think there could be an application here. Bitterness, what is bitterness? I think, I think some of us would say, yeah, there's bitterness in my heart. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I, but you don't, boy, I was so hurt by them. I was so stolen from by them. And, and, you know, bitterness is not just a feeling. We feel it. But how do you be delivered from bitterness? Isn't bitterness a belief? Bitterness is rooted in a belief that says, this person stole something that I needed to be happy. They stole something from me or they're keeping me from something I need to be happy. And so that, then we need to look back up and we go, come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden. I'm the fountain of delights. I'm the one that can give you what your soul most needs. So if you can have eternal security in my love, then can't you forgive what others have done to you remembering what Jesus has forgiven you of? See, I think this is where this application can come in. I have great security in Jesus so that I can make radical sacrifices. And sometimes for the contemporary Western Christian, I think radical sacrifices look like forgiving someone. Forgiving someone. What more Christ-like thing can you do than to forgive someone? 
Oh, blah, blah, blah. I take forever to preach a sermon. So, so look at, so here's what, look at what Paul is saying here. I think there's, there's this thing that says, hey, listen, guys, let's press into maturity. Let's press in to Christian maturity. And I think what Paul is telling us in Romans 8 and Romans 9 is that there is unceasing security of soul for the believer. Unceasing joy in Jesus for the believer. But you notice his words in Romans 9. And you know what? All that is doing is making my heart more like Jesus and amazed at what he's done for me. That I, I have unceasing sorrow in my heart that more come to know Jesus and be delivered from the judgment of God through faith in the death of Jesus Christ. Craig, I'll pray. And uh, you, you guys want to come up? I don't know how you want to close. I'm, I'm pushing the envelope here. Um, so guys, remember, God's sovereign love gives us radical security. And, I, and that's what, listen, I, I, I jumped to the application of forgiving others and, and Lord, get the root of bitterness out of our hearts. And how do we live sacrificially for someone? I think we're, we're the, to begin though, this morning is for you to experience. He loves you so much. He just loves you so much. And I think this morning, he's just wanting you to say, would you just open your heart and let me make you amazingly secure in what Jesus did to forgive you, declare you righteous, adopt you as his child. I think, isn't that the first step this morning? Lord, would you renew the assurance and security of my soul? And then say, how would you want me to live sacrificially having this security? Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.